Blog Talk Radio. Happy, awesome Saturday to all of our off-the-shelf listeners out there, everybody out there in Radio Land. You are in for a treat this morning. You're going to be blessed and so happy that you tuned in to Off the Shelf, whether you're one of our loyal listeners who've been with us now going on 12 years, or whether this is your first time coming over to Off the Shelf. And I hope you'll be back again and again and again. You are listening to the winning book radio show right now, Off the Shelf. And welcome to this Saturday, January the 9th. It already feels like the New Year, New Year, January 1st vibe is roll it out. I want to thank you again for joining us. We have such an insightful and talented author on deck for today's Off the Shelf, and I can't wait to introduce you to her. I, I, I look back over the years how many awesome, uh, some of our guests, as I've told you, are have been New York Times, international best-selling authors, and one come, has been on CNN regularly as a host, and is now on uh, TV One. So we've had some, uh, some our guests have their own, have gone on to create their own TV shows. I'm just absolutely blessed with the guests that we've had here and been able to treat you guys to on Off the Shelf. And there's still time for you to tell your friends and your and your neighbors, your family, to come on in through the chat room or to dial in live. And I want to give you the number to enjoy today's show and today's guest, to dial in live is 347-994-3490. Again, that's 347-994-3490. Or you can just search for Off the Shelf, Denise Turney Off the Shelf online, and jump right over to the chat room. So there are several ways you can join today's show. I started this a few, uh, maybe two months ago, and I like to give good food for thought when we close and when we open. And I, I like to start opening with a quote, just something for you guys to think about as you go through your day and your week. And today's quote is by Nikos Kazankas, and I, I hope I said his last name right. And it is, in order to succeed, we must first believe that we can. In order to succeed, we must first believe that we can. Thoughts are incredibly, incredibly powerful. They're like potters. They create things. So off-the-shelf listeners, next I want to ask you what you got over the holidays and how good of a mystery sleuth are you? Do you think you can find who is responsible for the murder mystery that cloaks Raymond and his friends' lives and Love Pour Over Me. I would love for you to get a copy of Love Pour Over Me. And before the book reveals who done it, if you could let me know. And you can get a copy of Love Pour Over Me, Amazon.com, Barnes & Noble, Walmart, eBook It, any offline bookseller. It's in print, and it's in eBook form. You can also get it at Chistel.com, C-H-I-S. T-E-L-L dot com. Again, that's Love for Over Me, and that's my latest book, Love for Over Me by Denise Turney. After you get a copy, please let me know how you enjoy Love Pour Over Me. And now let us go and meet our very special off-the-shelf guest, and our special guest who joins our long line of honorable guests. 
is Michaela Dartson Hickett, and she goes by MD. So I'm going to call her MD. Now, MD is a Dallas, Texas native. She has a bachelor in biology from Xavier University and a doctorate in poly. Podiatric, I know I said that wrong, (laughs) Madison from Barry University. She is a, if that's not enough, look, that's enough, right, a doctorate? She also is a screenwriter, a filmmaker, and a book author. And among her works are Hell Hath No Fury, Sparky, and that's the one that caught my attention, Flipping the Script, and Altar Call. And you can check MD Hickett out online at www.mdhicken.com, and I'll spell that for you, M-D-H-I-C-K-E-N.com. Again, that's M-D-H-I-C-K-E-N.com, M-D-H-I-C-K-E-N.com. Welcome to Off the Shelf, Michaela. Thank you, Denise. I appreciate you having me. We are so, so glad to have you with us, and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to be one of our featured guests here on Off the Shelf on for January the 9th. Now, your book, Sparky, as I said earlier, it caught my eye. That's how I stumbled across you. It's amazing how people are paths crossed. But I learned about you while I was on Facebook, so I wanted to ask you if you can talk about uh, later in today's show when we cover a little bit of marketing, the impact that social media is having on our lives. But that's how my our paths cross. So before we take a closer look at Sparky, I want to keep with tradition for off-the-shelf listeners, and I want to give our listeners a bit of backstory on you. So before we launch into the questions, can you tell our listeners what it was like for you growing up in Dallas, Texas? Oh, wow, it's such a loaded question. Um uh, you know, um, well, I have an identical twin sister, and oh, we have, uh, yeah, we have two uh, brothers who are 10 and 12 years a senior, and one, uh, just lost one brother a couple of months ago, but we were just so different. Uh, we have, our parents are kind of country folks, um, not uh, formally educated, but they did make sure that um, we had the best education. So we went to private schools. But our lives, our, our brothers' lives and our lives were so different. Our brothers were in and out of the penal system. And we were like we were bookworms. And we we studied a lot. So uh, I think uh, basically I think our goals and my goal was to not to not emulate my brothers. So I was very driven to to be educated and to be to be something. So and my mother always told us to be able to do more than one thing. So uh, I think that's why I, I also um, I wanted to do medicine, and I, I loved writing. So to kind of just I think not being like them fueled me to be something special, to do be versatile. And and I send mm-hmm. you warm wishes and love and condolences uh, on your Thank on your you. brother. Um, how old were you when you worked on the Crusader? Oh, I was in the seventh grade, I think. I think actually my first writing experience, I think it was in the first or second grade, and we were in a, a private school, and the priest came to our class, and he asked us to write, um, uh, I guess, an essay about who our hero was. And mine was so good that um, they made a big deal of it in school, and so I, it really kind of psyched me up, and I, I just really loved writing. I really thought that I could 
I felt like I had a special talent because I was, you know, made such a big deal of in school. <laughs> in the seventh grade. <laughs> you know what? I, I remember I, when I was researching for your off-the-shelf feature, I remember when I was in uh, uh, in school and I wanted to get on the school paper so badly and the editor told me, who was our English teacher, oh, that, that the start of a story I wrote was so good, but I, I never did write for the school paper. So when I was reading it, I was like, wow, that's what I wanted to do. Now, other than your <laughs> newspaper experiences, in what ways, and you talked about your, your formative years with your siblings, in what other ways has your childhood impacted? Because you're very creative. In what other ways has your childhood impacted your creative experiences? I think that um, it was just an outlet for me. Um, um, I came from a place of a lot of hurt as a child. So for me, you know, I always wanted to laugh. I wanted, wanted to be or appear to be happy. So I was always doing things that I think maybe for people's approval. And so they came in a form of writing or just doing anything creative, learning to play piano or, or anything that anything creative. Oh, interesting. You know what? One thing, mm-hmm. we've had so many guests on, as I was saying during the intro over the years, and we've truly, truly been blessed, and everybody has their different stories. We had somebody on whose uh, mother, I think they, he lived, was born in Russia, and they she literally, because of, I don't know if it was her writings or her speaking, they had to flee the country. So he lived in different countries. But when you listen to people's stories, it's just amazing to me, and then how no matter where our beginnings are so different, and some some of our guests have had very challenging, like the one who had to flee the country as a child, uh, childhood, but they all end up in the same place. <laughs> mm-hmm. Even though you start out in different areas. Now, I definitely, this was something else that jumped out at me during the research. Why did biology, we're talking about, you're so creative, as our listeners will learn as we go further through today's interview. Why did biology win out over English while you were pursuing <laughs> your bachelor's and your lab classes conflicted with English class? Why did why did biology win out? Well, my um, my twin my twin sister, she started. We both started out pre med, and she wanted to switch to music. And my parents, and my father worked two jobs, and he paid for our education and, and my parents said they weren't going to pay for her to go to school to be a music major. So she decided to major in oh. psychology and minor music. And then I was afraid to do it. <laughs> so oh. I, I, didn't want to switch, I, didn't, I didn't think they would pay for it. I knew that they knew ah. that being a doctor would be promising, but you know, it's their money. So. <laughs> oh, well that's an easy, that's easy. <laughs> oh yeah. After they snapped her in place, I was like, okay, well I'm just going to stick with this pre-med, but my, uh, my, my love is writing. I love it more than anything. Oh my goodness! Now, do you still practice? Are you do you still you know podiatry? Do you still practice it? And you 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 are one of few of our guests who have majored and are worked in a science field while also having a, a passion in the creative arts or entertainment. We had a guest on as well who's an attorney, and uh, she was telling me the story about that. How many people? Go get so far through their towards their uh, their uh, license, and they realize they really wanted to do something else, but they've got so much invested 
and law that they just keep going down that path. But I wanted to ask you, do you still practice podiatry? Oh, yes, I do. I'm two offices in Dallas and Fort Worth. Okay. Oh, my yeah. God. Are you, you, I just find it amazing when people have that. So this leads into my next question. I just find it fascinating. They talk about the left and the right side of the brain. So is that brain shift from Madison to writing and films, is that an easy transition for you, or do you have to work to get yourself in a certain space to do that? No, it's it's easy for me. I mean, I, I always, I'm constantly thinking of stories. I'm constantly jotting things down. So it's it's like, it's it's always with me, kind of like another personality almost. <laughs> it's like, it's there. It's constantly there. Okay, so you don't, it's not hard for you to make, to make that oh, shift. Oh, not at all. Now, no. you, you know, we... we Go ahead. Oh, I said we always do things that um, we always make time to do things that we want to do, right? Yes. So, and that that's that's me. I'll make the time to do it. I'll make the time to produce a short film. I'll make the time to to write. So it's you know, just easy for me. I always thought now certain careers, and I always thought Madison is one where uh, you hear about surgeons and different doctors who have to put in these long, long hours. So when I hear that you're still practicing, I think, where does she find the time? <laughs> I know you say we we do when we when we love something, but I think where does she find the time to do both? For people who struggle, and there are people uh, who struggle, and this is why they don't do a passion. They're so busy either raising a family and working full time. They'll they'll tell you, I really want to do fill in the blank. But I just don't. I don't have the time. You might be able to help someone. I know you said we find time to do what we love. But when somebody's working fifty or more hours a week, they have a family. How do you find the time? See, that's the key. I, I, you know, I own my own business, so I create my own schedule. And um, now I, I'm sort of part time, so I work. I don't work past lunchtime. So I have all oh, okay. that the rest of the time to to work. And when you were I was doing lucky it, enough. Go ahead. Oh no, I, I'm you know I married someone with children, so you know I didn't have to really raise any baby, any babies. So they were pretty um, old when I when I married. So I just got kind of lucky, but you know I just make my I'm my own boss, so I can do what I want to do. Did you ever do podiatry full time and write, or no? Yes. So yeah, that's I would write in. You. I would write in the evening. Yeah, I would write in the evenings. Oh, okay. You you were really committed then to doing to your mm-hmm. writing. It sounds like so. Uh, as a tip to any off the shelf listener who might be struggling, there's something, and I I heard Michael Bazin say it when he used to work on a train in Chicago before he started his radio show. I've heard people say. Um, there's Willie, um, I forget what he calls, he worked in the government, and he, you'll feel something burning in you, literally burning, telling you to do That's something true. else. It could be to write a book. It could be to make a movie. It could be to start your own restaurant, a, 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 your own business, but something literally burning. Now, these both these people and their others, they had jobs. Uh, I'm speaking to our listeners. They had jobs that made good money where they could pay their regular bills, but something was literally leading them to do something 
to do something else. So a tip for people who say, I can't find the time, sometimes you, Willie Jolly, I think is his name, sometimes what you have to do, you just have to launch out there like Michael Bazin. You just have to launch out. If it's meant for you, it, it will work out. And then other times, like MD is saying, you're just going to have to be committed and make the time to do it. And I've heard so many people throughout my my career say that's one of their primary struggles. How do I find the time to do it? So I thank you we for sharing that. Oh yeah, Denise. If it's really if it's really a person's passion, they will do it without a doubt. Ah, there's a difference ah. between doers and sayers. So if you if it really is your passion, you you'll do it. Yeah, you know what? When I go back to Michael and Willie Jolly, and I don't know if Steve Harvey said he struggled with this, but I've heard other people say it. It's, it it was just like something. Oh, uh, um, um, Bernie Mac also. I read his book. Same thing with him. It's something in that is so it won't let you go. And even when you try to do another job that'll pay the bills, this is so burning in you that you know that you have almost no other choice. And it's scary for a person because you're not making any money doing this other thing. So, but you still just have to launch out there. What what attracted you, MD? To, to this specific form of writing. What attracted you to films and screenplay writing? Well, um, I think, uh, well, after I'd, uh, I'd written something and someone said it was so vivid to them that it seemed like they were reading a movie. And mm. then I thought, you know, I, and I thought, why not? So I just, um, I think I bought... Um, Titfield's book, uh, um, I can't remember the name of the book. It was a screenwriting book, and I read his book, and then I read the um, Screenwriter's Bible, uh, David Trottier, and I learned how to do to write um, that type of format, screenwriting format. And then I bought um, the Movie Magic Screenwriter um, software, and I just started plugging in, and and then I just got into doing that, and and I figured it would cost uh, a lot to do a feature, so I thought if I started uh, producing short films and put a few out there, perhaps I could get the attention of someone and then maybe work on bigger projects. So I did get attention. I, I mean, I've met some great people and some local directors and, and I have quite a base of people to work with. So it's just, you know, just baby steps and forming relations and just kind of just, just doing it. Not holding back and not being afraid. Yeah, and that's the thing in life: getting past the fear <laughs> because it never goes and, away. It always, it always rears its head. I don't care what you're doing. Um, I, I wanted to. You share some good tips, and I like to give advice to anybody tuning in off the shelf so they can walk away and take use practical applications with things that are shared on the show. You talked about that software. I never heard of it. For our listeners who might be interested in getting into uh, screenplay writing or films, what does that software do? Does it help you write the actual script? Like, does it help you with plotting and character and dialogue? What does that software itself do? I can do all that. Mainly it puts it in um, industry standard format. There's a certain format and a certain font and a certain way that the that the dialogue uh, fits on the page, and it puts mm-hmm. it in that industry standard format. 
and you can do so much with that that software. You can it's just it's amazing. You can even um, write novels in that software too. What's the name of it? It'll again? put it in. There's one. Uh, Final Draft is one, and the other one is Movie Magic Screenwriter. I, I I like Movie Magic Screenwriter the most, but I have both software. Okay. That's Final Draft. And Movie and Magic movie Screenwriter. Magic Screenwriter for our listeners. Yeah, they're, they're about 150 bucks, and sometimes you can you can get deals and sales on them. Okay. Well, I thank you for sharing that. We had a um, a film. We've had a couple of filmmakers on. One based out of Chicago, and then we had one on last week who was on Julia with Diane Curl when she was a young girl. She's also worked with Leslie Uggams and other Flip Wilson and other actors and actresses. Her name is Allison Mills Newman. She's got a movie out called The Tree Widow, uh, if, in case you wanted to connect with her. Allison Mills Newman, again, and she has a, a movie out called The Tree Widow. But she's worked with several uh, people who've gone on to do well in Hollywood. I wanted to ask mm-hmm. you next, when and why did you create a little Texas, and I like that name, a little Texas entertainment company? When and why did you create the company? Um, I wanted to have a, a, a format to to um, work with other people, um, and I thought I wanted something catchy. And I, you know, I'm a proud Texan. I love Texas, so uh, I thought, well, why not just a, a little a little Texas entertainment company? So I just just came up with that name, and and uh, I was hoping it would attract people, and it has. So it caught your eye. So, yeah. <laughs> so I just, yeah, I think I, I uh, came up with that in probably two, the, uh, I think maybe in 2099 or 2000, I came up with that. Oh, so it's been out for about 15 years. Okay, yeah. a little Texas entertainment company, listeners, a little Texas entertainment company by M.D. Hicken. Now, you said you you operate your own business in your pr- practice of podiatry. Have you always operated, well, this is my question, had you operated your own business before you launched a little Texas entertainment company? And if not, and even so, where did your business management and operating experience come from? Because it's one thing to launch an idea, it's another thing to sustain it. Uh, I learned the hard way. When I uh, I I did my residency training in Detroit, and I moved back home here in Texas, and I worked with two groups of doctors who used me badly. And I remember mm-hmm. once I, was, I went to, um, and I don't eat fast food anymore, but I was in line at McDonald's, and I literally started crying because I was like, these people make more money than I did. Oh. <laughs> and I, I'm not, my self-worth was so, I just felt so bad. But I just started from the bottom. I started um, treating patients in nursing homes, and I I built a, a, a geriatric practice from there. And then just um, worked my way up, and I still do treat um, patients in nursing homes. I never let that go. So, just after being used, you just have to pick yourself up. And well, I picked myself up, and I just just did what I had to do. So, Started treating so you, Medicare, and Medicaid patients, and it just went from there. And so, you got you. Got, where do you think you got that from, though? Every. You'll hear people have a great idea, but they don't know how to implement it or sustain it. So where do you think you got your business management operating experience? It sounds like it just came to you. Did one of your parents own their own business, and you observed it, and maybe unconsciously you learned that. Where did you get yes. those skills from? Yes, my my um, 
my my father worked two jobs. He had a moving business. He would literally work that business from the morning and come home. And he would have hardly have time to eat, and he would go into the hospital. He was a nurse's aide, so he worked all day long from sun up to sundown. He would get off shift at midnight, get back up at six in the morning, and start moving furniture for people, and you know. So he had a uh, very good business acumen. And my his parents, his mother, and his grandmother and uncles owned um, a barbecue place here in Texas um, ah. called East Texas Barbecue. So they had they were. Self, they had a cell phone business, and uh, for many, many years. So, um, I mean, everyone in my family, my parents, they everyone worked hard, and they had their own little little business. My my mother's parents had a little cleaning company. So, okay, that's where okay, that's where it's coming from. It's probably coming in like I say, unconsciously or subconsciously, where you've seen this so often that that's where you learned it because you're standing in McDonald's, you you have this. Aha moment, and you take action on it. So that's good. Can you tell us about some of the films uh, that you have written and are produced under a little Texas entertainment company? Sure. Uh, one is uh, Monkey Brains. It's kind of a psycho thriller, and it's about a um, a guy who had. Um, he has a, a great appreciation for black culture, and uh, he was raised sort of by a, a, a black woman. And he had something horrible happen in his life. He was uh, molested, and he ends up killing everyone in his family and goes mm. to prison at a, a very young, at a tender age. Uh, but when they feel he's rehabilitated, he comes back into uh, the black community where he was raised, and he's um, picked on by a bunch of thugs. And uh, it just kind of um, stimulates his desire to kill again. Mm. Oh, what's the name of that again? Monkey Brains. Okay. Very interesting. I can see that getting picked up. (laughs) What are some of the other films? um, Then I want to go in, and I'm going to talk a little bit more about some of your other works, but can you tell us about some of your other films? And have you produced anything for anybody... Have you produced a film that someone else has written yet under a little Texas entertainment company? I have. Um, it's a short film by a producer, Huey Rawls. He lives here in Texas. And um, I can't think of the name of it to save my life. Um, I, I have to come back to that one. I have produced one, and I'm doing a, a comedy. It's actually going to be a um we're going to market it as a web series with the actually a sorority sister of mine, and I, we write together sometimes. Her name is Dimitri Logan, okay. and we're going to be doing a, a web series. And I have produced uh, a, a video, and am doing a hip hop theater series with uh, Lamik Black. He's the godson of uh, Flavor Flav. Okay. And we're actually hosting um, auditions for that uh, January 30th here in Dallas. Okay, and where where are the auditions for anybody who might be tuning in who's interested? Let me downtown Dallas. If you um, you can go to in, you could email at info at hiphopmusictheater dot com, mm-hmm. and we'll write you back and give you all the information that you need. Okay, well, thank you for sharing that. 
we have I have so many questions that I want to ask you, and I, I never get to all the questions, and I can see I'm not going to today either. But I want to ask you, where in the world did you get the idea for backfire? You just talked about monkey brains. Very interesting. Were you coming up with these very intriguing and engaging concepts? Where did you get the idea for backfire? You know, it's funny. I, uh, a lot of these, a lot of these things. I think I'm in the shower. <laughs> when I'm taking a shower, I think of these <laughs> concepts, and I actually, um, just it just, I just envisioned that I just started out, and I was laughing to myself thinking about um, some of my friends who were in really bad relationships, and I was thinking, what if um, someone's with someone and they just, um, you know, the guy leaves the girl and. Um, the woman finds out it's just not so sweet on the other side, and she tries to give him back, and she doesn't want him. So I just kind of wrote a, a story off, uh, just, just based off that thought. Ah, uh, okay. I, I encourage our listeners, again, I'm going to give you uh, MD's website, because if you go over there and you check out some of her, the, the synopsis or the log line to her films, you'll probably come away like I, like I did. Where is she getting these ideas? And she just said, a lot of them come to us from the shower. But her website, again, is www.mdhicken.com, and that's spelled L as in Mary, D as in David, H-I-C-K-E-N.com. Again, that's M-D-H-I-C-K-E-N.com. For those who might be coming into today's show midstream, we are speaking with Nakella Dartson Hicken. She goes by MD. She's a Dallas native, Texas. And she also practices Madison podiatry. She's a screenwriter, a filmmaker, and a book author. And we're going to go in and talk about more of her works. But some of her her, her works that we want to touch on are Hell Half No Fury, Sparky, and that's the one that caught my eye on Facebook, Flipping the Script, and Alter Call. And we just were asking her, where does she get the ideals for some of her films, such as if you go to her website, you'll see what I mean, Backfire. Uh, how I want to talk about Sparky next. We'll be getting into some of your other films. How old is Sparky? Now, this is really a <laughs> departure, to, I think, when we talk about your films from some of your other creative works. Sparky is. Now, how old is Sparky, and what age group is the book Sparky written for? Well, I guess if we gave Sparky a, a, an age, and he's a little dragon, I guess maybe we'd probably make Sparky eight or ten. Okay, okay. And so he's the book and, you would say would be good for children. What ages? Um, for I think first through fourth grade. Okay, okay. Yeah. Can you can you introduce off the shelf listeners to Sparky? You already told us Sparky is a dragon, but what makes what would make a child say? Really, what is it about Sparky? A kid has never read the book. Their parent has never read the book. What would make? What is it about Sparky that would grab a child's attention? And what makes Sparky stand out from others in Sparky's community? It's a Sparky is a book about friendship and acceptance. And I wrote it. Uh, well, I dedicated it to my nephew. He was um, he developed um, psoriasis when he was about eight, and it was so severe. I mean, he has psoriatic arthritis as well. I mean, his from his head to his feet, he was just covered in um, in um, psoriatic plaques. He just, it just crippled him. It happened there over a summer, and, you know, kids didn't want to play with him, and he was just 
because he just he looks so he looks so bad. And um, I think for any any child who's not felt accepted or who doesn't quite fit in, this book just shows it's okay to be different. And in Sparky's world, his his family is they're the, they're the greatest fire breathers in the village. And when he comes of age to breathe fire, it's a big deal, and everyone's anticipating that he'll do just as well as his family. And when he gets ready to, instead of breathing fire, he spews water, and he's ridiculed by everyone in the town. So, um, you know, he you know he runs away, and and he befriends a, a chameleon named uh, Cameron, and Cameron is different also because. Uh, he just can't get his colors right. He can't blend in with his environment. He turns every shade of color than the one he's supposed to. So they bond, and the story ends up where the, the village ends up meeting him, and need, they need his special talent. So oh, it, I don't want you to give it away. Him, I don't want you to get the story away. But <laughs> ah, you so just hooked yeah. me. Oh, yeah, so very. It, it makes him, yeah, the thing that makes him freakish ends up making him a hero. Ah. Uh, now, if this will give it away, don't, 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 or answer it in a vague way. But I wanted to ask okay. you, why is Sparky eager to grow a tail? He's a Growing dragon. A every tail. Other. Yes, that when when he uh, when in in his village, growing a tail means that you've matured and you are able to breathe oh. fire finally. So in the beginning of the book, he's really worried because his tail hasn't grown yet, and all the other. Little dragon's tails have grown, and they're breathing fire, and he's not. So, you know, when he finally does grow his tail, he doesn't do what everyone else does. I, I like the concept of your book. Now, Kirkus Review shared this about Sparky for our listeners. It said, a charming children's book that aims to remind children that they're wonderful exactly as they are. And I was going to ask you if that was your intent. And I think when you talked about your nephew, you sort of gave that answer. Your intent was to create a book, which is what I was going to ask you, that encourages children to accept and celebrate their authentic selves. Was that exactly your intent when you sat down to write Sparky, or were you writing a book that would help encourage and strengthen your own nephew? Uh him as well, but other kids also. Okay. Because I was a kid that felt, you know, also I could relate to because I didn't, you know, I didn't feel comfortable in my own skin. I was really, really thin and, you know, just kind of an unhappy little little, little girl, so. And, you know, that's something but, that, you know what's so amazing when you sit there, and that's what so many kids, we had a guest on who struggled with anorexia. So many kids would almost give up their physical experience just to be thin. And then somebody else sees it as like a detriment or a negative thing. It, it's just amazing the way we perceive ourselves. <laughs> Something that we see as a shortcoming somebody else is begging for it, it, in, in some cases. Can, can you tell us, other than the review where Kirkish Reviews again says, that Sparky is a charming children's book that aims to remind children that they're wonderful exactly as they are, what are some of the other things that you've been hearing from readers about Sparky? You know, you know what I hear is that uh, what I love is that, uh, especially uh, the people who have children who can't read, that they love to hear it over and over again. Oh, 
Yeah, so and I have had some pe- people use it as reward, you know, you know, um, that they they'll get to to, l- to listen to the book or read the book as a reward, and it and that reason really means a lot to me to get those kind of kind of feedback. So it's in print and audio. Is that right, or is it also in a video oh, no. format? Oh no, in print for younger children, children who can't read. I've had parents read it to their children, and they love to hear oh. it. They love to hear their parents read it to them. Oh, that is really, really, yeah, that is something good to hear. Um, and, and you know, you never know for a parent to say, "My child actually became more confident after I started reading Sparky to him." That those are the type of things that really are rewarding as a writer. Now we want to talk about some of your other works. Now, why does Richard? Decide to move. We're, to our listeners, we're switching to a whole other story that uh, Michaela has created. Why does Richard decide to move on from Tamby in your book, Flipping the Script? He's an opportunist, and he's just looking for the next best thing. Um, he thinks he finds something more appealing in another woman um, uh, financially, and she ends up not being what he thought she was. Although Tammy's love- a, a cafe owner, and he just, you know, she just wasn't enough, and you know, she had a, a silly uh, writing habit, so he thought so. He decided to to go with someone that was going to make more money. What? The, well, so okay, Tammy owns a cafe. She's a go getter, obviously. If you own your own business, you have to be. What was it that attracted him to Tammy to start with? Then this is something weird about relationships. What attracts you to a person? They still have it when you leave them. So why are you leaving? What 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 attracted Richard to Tammy? Uh, her car in the book. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so what did she do? Get a new car? And he said, "Okay, I'm done with you." <laughs> no, he just felt, he just thought he found a um, a supermodel, someone who had potential to make millions, and. Uh, so he just figured he'd leave her because he just wanted a, another woman to use. He was using her, and he thought he just he found someone that uh, had the potential to, to give him more than she could. Before we go wrong. on, yes. Before we go on, I've got to ask. So, so Richard, he, does he is he aware consciously that he's using people? Does he know? Because oh, sometimes yeah. people do and they don't know. Oh, he oh, knows. Yeah. He's, he's just a scammer. Yeah. Does yes. Tammy is does Tammy think he genuinely loves her? Um, she, I think, like a lot of women, uh, you want to try to make things work, and you know it's wrong, but you've invested so much that you you have to stick with it. Cause she in 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 her in her world, she, you know, she moves out of her house and moves into his, and then she ends up supporting him and paying bills wow. and taking up the slack and. Um, he doesn't appreciate her, and that you know that's so common with a lot of women, a lot of men and women. I shouldn't just say women, but so she. But at the beginning, this is I don't know why this is hard for me to accept. He from the very start was only using her for her car or to live, her to move in or pay, from the start. And is that first she, of all? Is that he never really loved her, is what you're saying. He was always just going after what he could get from her. Yeah, he was infatuated with her mildly, but, you know, it was just on to the next. He was jealous of her also. And she was desperate for a relationship. She was lonely, and, you know, sometimes we'll just uh, take anyone just to have someone. 
Mm. So that that was her story. Now he moves on from Tamby, and I'm I'm going to assume she at some point early on, maybe feeling desperate, but I'm assuming she loved him. Uh, to to make this flipping the script for the anybody reading it, you can see somebody has to be great, have a a deep emotional investment, so they you, if you can feel this loss. Now does Richard end up when he leaves Tamby? He obviously just wants her for what he thinks he can get from her, and if she, if he can't get it from her, then move on to the next person. Does he end up regretting his decision? I don't want you to get a story away, but it's, can you tell us, does he end up regretting leaving Tamby and going oh, with very this much other so. woman? Very uh, much so. Okay. Maybe he met his match. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it, it, he met it, somebody it, it, just it. like him. <laughs> Okay, two can play this game, kid. You want to find out how it feels? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He he met his match. <laughs> okay. Have you, when you look at the story, and, again, this is hard for me, maybe because it's something that I wouldn't do, Richard, just to, to, to meet somebody and not love them, I would think he would have to have had some, you said he was infatuated with her. There would have to be something there for him to pick her to start with. There would have to be some reason why he decided she's not the only person with a car. There had to be something that attracted him to her, to want her to start with. But I wanted to ask you, have you ever seen yourself personally, someone say they don't want someone, I don't want you anymore. I don't want you anymore. You can go break up, divorce, whatever. Then when that person, if that person struggles to move on, they still say, I don't want you, I don't want you. Soon as that person gets it together and moves on, then they say, "I want you." Yes, <laughs> have you ever absolutely. have you actually ever seen that happen? I most certainly have <laughs> in my life. Wow! Yes, when, you, when I my... think of that, that's not, that's somebody who can't be mentally balanced. It's almost like if you want me, then I don't want you. The minute you, yeah. The minute you move on, I want you. That's almost like somebody who's scared of love, really. Because if you want to yeah. love me, then I don't want you. Yeah. And then if you if you don't want me, then I do want you. So either way, I don't want love. I, I just think I do. Or yeah. that that any I any I, want I would you, say to, I want anyone to have you. Yes. Mm-hmm. I would say to any listener on this show, if you're in that situation, it might be time to go until that person gets help. Is, is, I don't think there's anything wrong with us as people, but some of us do would benefit from that. Somebody to me who's scared of love. They're scared of love. If you want me, then I don't want you. And if you mm-hmm. if you move on, then 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 now I'm attracted to you again. That's a problem. Now, are there plans, MD, to turn flipping the script into a film? And I have to ask you: Does Tamby get it together, or does she just absolutely fall apart? After Richard tells her he doesn't want her, and she can't, and she struggles throughout the rest of the the, the, uh, the story. She does. Um, she 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 falls apart. Uh, she moves out. She well, he kicks her out. Um, mm. She does fall apart, but she catches the eye of a billionaire out of her race. Oh, okay. And that drives him nuts. 
Uh, so they they're they're close together. They they don't move like she doesn't move to a whole another town or anything. They live they no. must live in. Okay, so ah, uh, that's a bad breakup. <laughs> you gotta keep seeing the person. <laughs> yeah. So she does. It sounds like she does get it together. Are there plans to turn flipping the script? into a film. And I want to ask you if Richard gets Tambi back, but that might t- give away the story. But are there plans to turn it into a film? I've been thinking about it, uh, and I have uh, um, pitched it uh, and Sparky to some um, Hollywood execs, so I'm still waiting to hear something back. I, wasn't, I wouldn't produce that myself. Oh, and is there a reason why you wouldn't? Uh, the budget. Oh, okay. Now, that's, now a big, for, that's a that's a big budget. How long is is the book flipping the script? It's about three hundred and seventy five pages. Wow! Oh my goodness, that is a um, that is a large. How long did it take you to write the? Uh, that's a long book. How long did it take you to write flipping the script? It took me a few months to write it, but, uh, you know, editing and, you know, all writing is rewriting. So mm-hmm. I'd say it took a bit. You wouldn't believe the number of times I, I've done rewrites. on. I, I rewrite a lot. I, I, just, I never just put anything out there. Um, I'd say, you know, I, that's one thing. I, I, no, I normally finish things that I, that I start, but I started that in 2010 and I put it down and I picked it up. Actually, um, in I think 2013, and I, I just and I just worked until I finished, and it probably took me about three or four months to to finish it. And I worked on it every day. And then, um, but uh, you know, there's lots of rewriting. I spent a lot of months um, just reading it, putting it down, picking it back up, and and going through it before I sent it to an editor. And it's really important for anyone who's writing a manuscript to hire a professional editor. Mm-hmm. That's probably the I most, would agree. one of the most important thing you can do as a writer. I, I would put agree garbage with out there. Yes. Um what have readers what have you been hearing from readers about flipping the script? Um they they love it. They're what Alex wanting to know if I want to do a sequel, <laughs> which I am <laughs> um, I'm gonna work on that. I love it. I get lots of feedback. They're like, oh, my gosh, I'll get people writing, like, I'm on page this and page that. Oh, I, they're like, I can't believe this happened and this happened and this happened. And it, it's really, I love getting that feedback. I love for strangers to email me and, and say things that are intrigued by my writing. And you come up with some very – and that could be the filmmaker in you, your your plots, your – yeah, uh, you come up with these great storylines. Can you give our off-the-shelf listeners talking about great storylines a synopsis of Hell Hath No Fury? <laughs> you know, I actually that uh, I, I co-wrote that with uh, my sorority sister Dimitri Logan, and mm-hmm. it's uh, we we were sitting this chit-chatting one day about how we act when we're um, scorned by men, and we actually talked about some of the, the silly things that we've done and. Some things about mother, my mother, my mother done when she was a young, young lady, and uh, so we decided to categorize women into eighteen groups, behavioral groups, based on how we react when men do things to us, like, mm-hmm. um, um, you know, women pulling guns on guys and doing things like that, or stalking and uh, breaking in the phones. So um, it's a kind of a don't be that kind of girl book, 
and I had my sister, uh, who psychologist Dr. Myrna, we had her do a section in the book, uh, like I asked Dr. Myrna, so she just kind of, you know, just kind of put it down from a medical perspective, how, you know, what to, how to bring yourself in and, you know, just kind of um, validify what we'd written. Oh, so your sister's a psychologist? Yeah, she is. Okay, look at the look at you two, both doctors. Who are some of the? Can you describe? Tell us their, their names and describe some and give us some background on some of the major and minor characters in Hell Hath No Fury. Uh, there no major minor character. Every chapter, um, every chapter starts with a, a lady, and we tell a, uh, a story. It started fiction based on some truth, based on some things that some of our uh, friends have gone through. Um, so every chapter starts with um, a lady and her story. Um, uh, say, for instance, um, I have a friend who's also a, we did our residency together. I'm sure it's in the book, so he didn't mind me sharing this one. He had was um, dating a lady, and uh, she was so jealous. Anytime uh, he would get, if he was on long call and he get paged from the hospital, she would freak out and want to know who it was and stuff. And once. The medical director of the hospital called him, and she just she went to the kitchen, and she came back with a knife, and they were struggling over the knife. And she, I mean, she was gonna, she was she was just that jealous that the, the medical director called him in the middle of the night uh, about a patient. So, oh my <laughs> he to, like, god! Bl- yeah, he had to throw a blanket on her to protect himself. So it was just that that kind of stuff. So we were just collecting just a collection of stories about women and things that some women that we know have done to to guys. And it's just like, don't be that woman. That is a, that, whoa. Yeah, no, when he called and told me that, I was just freaking out because I met her. (laughs) I met her and I I thought she was a little nuts when he uh, brought her out to visit. So just just stories like that, outlandish stories. Yeah, I know your sister doesn't lack for work. (laughs) No, she doesn't. (laughs) She doesn't. She doesn't. Oh my God, both of you are creative and and in the medical so see you both you both went after what you wanted anyway, your parents said, I'm not paying for that, but you figured it out anyway, both of you did, yeah, oh my goodness so so can you tell us no major minor characters, just you told us the one story about the uh the 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 gentleman you went through residency with. Can you share like two other stories? Some things that happen similar, and hell hath no fairy. Sure. See, um, let's pick a good one. Uh, this is based on a true story too. Uh, it's it's kind of gross. And uh, a lady who was dating a guy, he was um, cheating on her on her friend, and uh, he ended up dating someone um, that worked in the office with her. And she had herpes, and she took uh, the person's chapstick and oh. rubbed it on the wound. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, that, that it's probably. Uh, I'm sure there's some statutes of limitations there, so she probably won't get arrested. But she did that. That, that person's chapstick. Hey, and like, you know, it's not your about it. Tell me that's, that's made up. Story. It's not. Are you that. serious? She, she shared that. You know, I was like, can I put that in our book? If we just change the name, she said, sure. Oh, so my I did. gosh. Yeah. Okay. And another one, um, 
a lady, her husband, uh, a boyfriend was cheating on her. She, um, when he left, she used the key and she just cleaned his place out, took everything out of there, even the toilet seat. Rather, she had some she time bought, on her hands. Yes, she did. She cleaned everything out. Said, and actually, that have... person, my father helped her move. My father helped her move the stuff out. She even took the toilet seat. He, oh, your dad didn't know. No. He didn't know why she was moving it. Oh, my God. You know, you have to wonder, to move takes hours. So you have to wonder, how angry are you that after maybe an hour or two, you're still not calming down? You have to wonder. Yeah. You know, don't be this type of woman. You have to wonder whether you're our listener, a man or a woman. Don't get that upset that it takes you do something you're going to pay for it for maybe years or financially. Oh, yeah. Just go, she take a walk or, or go somewhere until you calm down so you don't end up I with a bunch of regrets. It, well, yeah, if it compromises your integrity, you should just walk away. And that's what the yeah. gist of the book is. Yeah. She destroyed mm-hmm. his clothes, too. Yeah, I was going to ask you next, do any other women in hell have no theory? And and women aren't, women don't have the, uh, the lock on this because they're guys who do, do things, too. You're not going to leave oh, me. Yeah. I've heard oh, yeah. some stories. But do any of the women refuse to let go and get stuck focusing on the way they're turn and they just don't let go? Or do, do any of the stories end where lesson learned? Uh, no, we we give the we give the lesson to learn at the end of the story. They're just a very very brief stories, and we 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 like we we tell you what to take away from that, and why not to be that type of person. Okay, okay. Now this is just a book, or did you, you made this also into a film. It's a book that we've been thinking about uh, uh, making into a stage play. Um, Dimitri, uh, the, uh, my co my co author, she she's a um, she does stage plays. She's she's a a playwright. So that's something that we're planning on doing this year as well. So have. She's created stage plays before, but that would be your first time stepping into that, right? This would be my first time, yes. Oh, okay. Can you, well, you, we're talking about you. I was going to ask you to share some of the stage plays she's done. But I'm, I'm assuming her work is local to the Dallas, Texas area. Yes, it is. Okay. What advice, MD, as we come down to the last five minutes or so of today's show, what advice do you have uh you told us about the the, uh, the two softwares, which I want to give to people again. That you said could also some of them also help with novel writing, Final Draft, and Movie Magic Screenwriter, the software that puts it in the format, the right font for uh, a, a, a screenplay. I wanted to ask you what what other advice before we close? Could you share with? Anyone, you have a friend who does live stage, you do films and uh, book writing, but somebody who wants to write, direct, and or produce a film, the producing is where you have to raise the funds. But what advice could you give beyond, like, the software advice, which we appreciate you sharing, for anybody who's interested in doing what you do? Well, I think um, um, networking is important. Um, There's a site called Stage 32. And that's where I met my director. It's a free site to join, and uh, people, all types of uh, people in the film industry or writers that you can network with locally that you can get. And you can also, um, for the one film, Monkey Brains, I um, 
the pro- I, I got the actors to to work with me free. I had uh, one uh, comedian, um, Mosin. She's been on um, she's been on a radio show with uh, Gary Hayes, and she she acted in it. But you can um, you know you can you can um, do casting calls uh, for people who are just looking just to get something on their resume for no pay. You'd be surprised at the amount of people that will work with you just to get something on their resume. And um, if you like to write, you're not sure about your writing, enter competitions that give feedback to you. Mm. That's a valuable thing to do. And okay. also research first before you do it and see what kind of reviews the, those companies have for you. Um, give someone your work. And always um, copyright your material. I mean, and everyone you're not the only person that has that an idea. Um, I'll get it out there because there have been plenty of times that I thought of something and I never took the opportunity to write it, and then I would see it on a major screen. I'm like, oh, man, I, that was, I had that idea. But, you know, <clears throat> someone else can get to it before you do it, so you you should you have to do it. Uh, that's happened to me, and you're right. The, your idea, just because the idea's in your head, don't mean you're the only one whose mind is in. Can you share a few marketing tips with our listeners, and then I want you to tell us where we can get copies of your books and your films. Okay. Um, you know, I think uh, we even touch on social media. I think uh, uh, there are lots of sites out there that will uh, tweet your work. Uh, find something that, you know, if you, if you have a book and you want a company to tweet it, uh, you can pay a small fee and they'll they'll tweet your, your title and and where you're selling it to all their um, followers. Uh, you can do the same on Facebook, Facebook promotions, um, do trailers, make book trailers for YouTube. Um, and you can get my book at Barnes & Noble, Amazon, or any um, place that sells uh, electronic books in electronic format. Okay. And so I know you're on Facebook. What other social networks are you on? Twitter, Instagram. Okay, and how can people find on, you on Twitter? I'm on Twitter as at Dr. Darton, D-R-D-A-R-T-S-O-N, and the same Twitter. And okay, I'm on Dr. Facebook as Michaela Darton Hicken, M-I-C-A-E-L-A Darton Hicken, H-I-C-K-N. Okay. We want to thank uh, Dr. Michaela Darton Hicken for being here with us today. Uh, but she loves Texas, Texas native. <laughs> She let us know she, she loves her hometown, and, and that's great. We want to thank her for being here with us today on Off the Shelf. You can she some of her works, and she's, she's still working, maybe possibly a stage play and other works that she's working on. Uh, but Hell Hath No Fury, Sparky, Flip the Strip, and Alter, Alter Call, her storylines are really, really engaging. They're very entertaining. So I really encourage you to go over to her website and support her works. Her website is mdhickeen.com. Again, that's mdhickeen.com. And I want to thank Dr. Hicken and each of our off-the-shelf listeners, all of you, for tuning in to Off the Shelf. Please uh, tell your friends, your neighbors, your colleagues, tune in to Off the Shelf Saturday mornings, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we will bring you other phenomenal guests Thank you again, Dr. Hicken. As I always tell our listeners, 
You are amazing. You're incredible. You're awesome. Go out and create a fabulous day for yourself. See you back here next Saturday off the shelf, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time or New York City time. Michaela, I'll shoot you an email. Bye for now. All right. And thank you for all you do. Bye-bye. Thank you.